I'm Zach Dunlap, pastor of Multisite at Birmingham and Berkeley First. Welcome to Church Folks, the new podcast where we interview folks from our church community about who they are and what God is doing in their lives. Throughout the Bible, people are encouraged to bear witness to what they have seen and heard. Continuing in that tradition, this podcast offers a forum for people to get to know one another and be inspired. Our hope is that the stories of these church folks empower you to share your stories, to inspire others, and to be a part of beloved community together. I'm here today with Rachel Alpert. Rachel, what gets you out of bed in the morning? Uh, usually it's gratitude now. Really? Tell us about that. Uh, I've been in therapy. It's been super helpful since last October. And one of the things I just started was um, doing one thing that I'm grateful for. Um, and usually I do the big morning is kind of anything that comes to mind. And um, at night, I'll try to do something I was grateful for that day to just do a little bit of reflection, something I've been trying to do more of and is challenging for someone like me. And it's something that I think if I can place the right priorities at the right time, then I can have different results. You know, it's like insanity, right? Doing the same thing over and over, expecting a different result. So try something new. Absolutely. Absolutely. So to kind of bookend your day um, with with gratitude, even when it's hard, even when you're like, I'm thankful right now for nothing. Yep. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes you got to think about it and that's okay too. <laughs> Absolutely. What do you love? I love God. Um, I love community. Um, I love my wife. She's been the biggest blessing in my life. Um, and I wouldn't have her if it wasn't for God in the community. <laughs> 100%. How have you experienced God at work in your life? Uh, so many ways throughout my life. Um, growing up in a Christian home um, and just having so many different experiences, um, similar experiences to a certain niche group or, um, but in a very larger context, you know, um, it's just really been something where, where I am now, I'm just very grateful for. And also I kind of laugh at because I always saw myself working at a church when I was little, but I never thought I'd be where I am now in life working at a church. Mm. And it's, to me, that's got at work, like just simple stuff of, Hey, you know, we don't always see what's going to happen, even if God gives us our own foreshadowing. <laughs> so true. Yeah. There are times where I'm like, God, just like, you know, light the path before me, right? Show me what's going to happen in the next, whatever, three years, five years, 10 years. And it just doesn't work that way. And I think in some ways, at least in my case, I think that's for my own good, that God doesn't give me the whole game plan, just yeah. like, just enough to take that like next step. How has your faith grown or shifted over the years? So when I was little, um, and I was actually just talking about this in therapy, where I grew up in an extremely uh, theologically based household. Um, I am the youngest of 10. And so by the time I came along, um, there were a lot of things that were already established. We had uh, Sunday Bible studies that were mandatory. Um, you know, all kinds of things uh, where we were catechized with the Westminster Catechism, a little different from United Methodist, I think. But yep. 
<laughs> I'm familiar with, you know, I, I learned about different denominations at a young age. There was a lot of that type of culture around me. Um, and at the time, you know, that when that's all, you know, that's really what you, um, hold on to because that's what you're taught to hold on to. Um, and what I've found is that's not always what God, God uses that. And, um, I actually had a realization in therapy that was really helpful for me because I've struggled with the way that I was raised in terms of, um, how much pressure there was placed on me to believe. And I think that's something a lot of people can really identify with because there's so much that gets crossed over. You know, people are trying their best. People want to do their best. And that's what I always struggled with is I know I have a beautiful family that loves me. And, you know, even if they don't always show that in a way that I want to receive it, I know that they love me and I know they're coming from a good place. So those are things where, you know, when you think of God, you think of the gospel, you think of how God uses and speaks through people, you know, and when you're young, that's usually your family or the people that are around you, mm -hmm. you know, family that's blood or family that's chosen <laughs> either way. Um, you know, those are going to be people who are going to show you what you think love is. And then you've got to learn as you grow and as God is, you know, supporting you. And um, for me, I've always been able to see God in my life because I knew it was something that had to be independent at some point, but, and so it was always something that I needed to choose for myself. And, but what that was has changed so much from mm -hmm. when I was younger to, to now and where I'm at now in terms of, um, my beliefs, the way I talk about it, um, just all aspects in a lot of ways, <laughs> yeah. but so many are still the same, you know, a lot of foundational principles of being theologically sound. Like I still want to know like, Hey, where'd you get this idea from? And if God gave you that idea, then great. I want to hear more about it. <laughs> and that would be different than what I would, you know, say growing up before it would be, Oh, I need to see, you know, show me the receipts. <laughs> yeah. What theologian said this, you know, and it be, and, you know, seeing that change and then understanding, um, that I get to choose a lot of, you know, well, what am I going to allow myself to see, mm -hmm. you know, and that's part of faith, right? <laughs> and God gives us different amounts of faith. And I think for me, it's been learning to like God's shown me and he's given, he's given me more faith as I've gotten older to see more things. And I've been able to see that at work in my life, just from where I was and how I would treat people to where, how, where and how I am now. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we continue to grow and change and evolve over the course of a lifetime. And certainly our upbringing um, has a huge impact on who we are. Um, but to some degree, we get to choose what kind of impact or what pieces of that we're going to carry with us into the future in what ways. Yeah. Yeah. I know for me, a big part was understanding that my parents, um, they, I'm grateful for the pressure they had and the pressure they felt to raise their kids with the understanding that God loves them. 
And that's what I got out of it. So I know that they did it right. <laughs> Even if, you know, we had some bumps along the way. Um, but being able to um, process that and understand that that's what I'm grateful for. And it's okay to not be grateful for other aspects totally. that might have been hurtful, that might have been damaging. That's the stuff that in therapy I'm working through and figuring out and being able to place and name certain things has so much power. And, you know, we and that's biblical, right? You learn that in the Bible. <laughs> yep. What would you say to someone who maybe has thought about uh, uh, seeing a counselor or participating in therapy and has kind of put it off? What what advice or encouragement would you give to someone who's feeling that way? I mean, where they're at is okay. That's, I think, a big thing. Um, and I say that because I need to hear it myself. <laughs> it's not something that I actually um, have a lot of practice in, but I know that it's true. And I know it, it's when I hear that, when people tell me that, it's encouraging. I know that that's helpful. Um, but I also know that, um, you know, therapy is so personal. It's not even funny. Like, it's okay if you're not ready to bear your soul because that's what it really is. Um, and I'm the type of person where I might accept something where it is um, and not process it all the way through. And that's why I wanted to do therapy. It was a choice I was looking forward to. It's a benefit I get from my job. Um, and I was like, yeah, I should probably start taking advantage. Just, just check it out, see what happens. Um, and I told my therapist, even I was like, yeah, I knew being the youngest of 10, I'd probably need therapy because not like, there's just not a majority of us out there. And so yeah. <laughs> that might be something I could process. Maybe I could discuss certain things. And sure enough, it's been, you know, just so helpful to be able to have um, a safe person, someone who isn't judgmental, someone who's there to, um, and, and it's something that you have to pick, right? Um, you've And I do virtual. I started in the land of COVID. And so I've had no problem doing that. And that's, again, very different for a lot of people who mm -hmm. I know, it's only been an in-person thing and COVID has disrupted that. And maybe you're not able to return to that. And those are things that are so challenging that just add to the burden that's already there. But um, I think when we're able to give ourselves tools to respond um, and give ourselves um, options, um, really the brain is an interesting thing. I'm a healthy lifestyle coach and I really love understanding how um, your brain is wired and how we're able to rewire that. Like, yeah, it is wired a certain way. And so acknowledging that and recognizing that is a huge aspect. Um, but learning that we can rewire that, um, that there are tools and that there are ways that we can do that. And it looks different for everybody. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that knowing that there's hope, that's something that I always kind of cling to and why, you know, what gets me out of bed? Well, hey, let's try something new. That's right. <laughs> let's do something a little different. Rachel, you and your wife were the first couple involved at Berkeley first in our early days that moved away. What brought you to Berkeley first initially? And then what brought you back again upon your return to Michigan? So what brought us to Berkeley first um, was Chris Freeman. Um, I've known Chris going back, you know, 10 years or something like that, uh, wonderful, wonderful years. And he's always been someone who um, I've loved working with the people he brings together. You know, it's, I'm sure you could take a quote and paste it. <laughs> um, but he's just been uh, so integral in helping me understand faith and God and relationships um, because I've been able to trust him in a lot of ways. Um, and he's someone where you feel safer with. 
And so um, when he kind of brought this up and said, hey, you know, I think, you know, what do you think of playing worship over here? You know, come check it out, see what you think sort of thing. Um, and I just knew it would be a good fit, honestly, um, especially the welcoming environment, um, the just the, the, the overall feeling of being able to um, come as you are. And um, and that's OK, just as you are. Um, and that's not something that I really grew up in. Still something I struggle with, you mm -hmm. know, on a daily basis is, all right, nope, I am acceptable as I am because God says so. Um, and the, yeah, and those are things that, you know, I, I knew growing up, but didn't believe, didn't understand, wasn't aware of. Mm -hmm. um, and so part of that was, you know, leaving certain um, parts of my childhood and those belief systems even behind, institutions even behind, um, and moving forward. So finding a place that wasn't holding on to those institutions um, in the same way that I found to be damaging, I think, um, was really integral. So I think, um, what was the second part of that question? Where? So what brought you here initially? Oh, and yeah. then after you moved away and then came back to Michigan, what, what brought you back? Oh, we've always been here. <laughs> Even in San Diego, you know, we we wouldn't catch every every uh, every live stream. But I mean, we weren't really able to find a church out there the same. Um, and finding a church is hard. So yeah, um, for sure, it's even harder when you feel like you found a church and you just had to leave. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's really how we felt here. So I mean, being able to, um, you know, we moved to California for the sunshine, honestly, um, and then family really brought us back. And um, being able to see that family transform so, so vastly into the church family, um, into this new opportunity at the church. Um, like I said, I know, like I kind of thought I would be on staff at a church somewhere, but not at this point in my life. And it's been such an incredible blessing. So I think that, uh, being able to see how God uses that again, is part of how he's, you know, transforming my life day to day is just like challenging my beliefs and, you know, things that I thought were to be true. He's like, aha. <laughs> yep. Yep. I love that. So, so you were part of, of Berkeley first in the early days when we launched and then you and your wife moved to San Diego. We're still involved. I, I loved hearing your perspective on that, that, oh no, we were still a part of the church. Um, Cause you're right. I mean, what an archaic way for me to look at things that like, oh, well, you moved away. So you were disconnected. No, of course. I mean, I mean, we were in a lot of ways, but well, also sure. like, you know, but I mean, the, the, if, if the pandemic there. has taught us anything. It's that online counts too, right? You can yeah. be involved online. I mean, with a therapist, with a church, whatever. And, and that's something that we certainly look forward to continuing to lean into at Birmingham and Berkeley first um, to look for ways uh, for people to engage in the fullness of Christian discipleship, regardless of their geographic location. Yeah, definitely. So not only are you a part of the congregation, you are also on staff as the Community Connections Coordinator at Berkeley. C-cubed, I like to call it. <laughs> C-cubed, <laughs> yes. We'll give you a special name tag made up. Um, tell us about your role and what you're excited about moving into the future. Yeah, I mean, the, I, I think my favorite part is part of our conversations at the beginning was, um, you know, talking about how we can kind of see what sticks you know, um, let's, if there's an idea, let's try it. Like, why not try it? Um, and let's, if it works great, if not, then we've learned what doesn't work or maybe it doesn't work now. Um, and I think just the big openness, the idea of we're here to exist for 
the community, for the people, for the church, um, really coming together and seeing that in action um, like that. I always felt it as being part of the congregation, but on staff, seeing it come to life so quickly, like, you know, being like, oh, yeah, you know, I went from having no volunteers to, oh, look, here's eight people. Yep. <laughs> That's the church that's got it at work and just saying, here we go. Let me provide for you and doing it in the way God does. Right. You know, he's I mean, sometimes you can plan ahead, but most of the time God is a man who says, hey, (laughs) and or a woman. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Gender inclusive. (laughs) Gender inclusive. Um, And so understanding that, like uh, just seeing how how the church is really at life and then being able to um, represent that. I've never been to a church that had someone who, you know, who was um, uh, not cisgendered, I guess, um, really being um, on staff, being in a position of going out in the community of representing the church and saying, hey, here, come join our church where I feel welcome and I feel like I'm someone who belongs and you can too, pretty yeah. much. Yeah. That's so huge. What value do you find in being a part of Christian community? Maybe what would you say to someone who has never been a part of church and whose entire idea of church or Christians or God is just full with all this baggage? Um, What would you say to invite them into Christian community? I mean, first off, welcome. I think just treating it simply, you know, I think that there's so much baggage that comes with um, a lot of that. Um, and that baggage is rightfully there because there's been so much hurt. Um, you know, I like to name things. So the patriarchy, I think, is a big problem. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of issues that exist there. Um, white nationalism is a big problem. Those are things that exist within the Christian church inside the United States. And those are things where you're going to see references to even. And mm-hmm. that's triggering for people. So I totally understand if there's if that's part of the baggage that comes with it if there's a variety of homophobia whatever it happens to be there's a lot of hatred that comes with this and so first off that baggage is so valid and real um and really that's why the real church exists Mm. it's for that baggage Mm. um and i understand that most people don't have that experience and i didn't have that experience for a while and i found this church you know, and I've been so encouraged, even when I'm, you know, I'm part time. So I guess technically, I mean, I have a lot of days off, but, <laughs> you know, even on days off or whatever, you know, Chris texted me and just sent me this super encouraging text. And I felt so loved, hmm. so grateful. Um, and I just know that that stems from, you know, God, like that is God at work. Those are the things where Paul talks about, you know, I, I don't boast in myself. You know, I boast of Christ in me. That's right. And that confidence that Chris exudes, that confidence that I think the church is exuding is God boasting and saying, look at my people at work. And I think that feels so good to be proud of that, to know that we're doing the work. And again, it's not us doing the work. That's God at work, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that that's just what's so beautiful. So for people who, you know, first off, come here, try it, try it <laughs> to see what happens, you know, um, stay outside if you want, check it out online. Um, but I think, you know, go to a place where, um, you know, you can be yourself and, you know, if you don't feel comfortable, try somewhere else. Yeah, um, totally. That's okay. 
Um, and, you know, but like I said, try here and, you know, give us a chance to to welcome you. But um, on a broader spectrum, um, where you are is definitely OK. And, you know, the church and um, is a verb, you know, it should be an action. And it's a noun because it's the people who come together who are doing those actions. So if you're feeling that just, you know, you can trust it. And if you're not feeling it, trust your instincts. Mm -hmm. Try somewhere else. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's a good word. That's a really good word. What gifts, talents, experiences, or abilities have shaped how you see God in the world? I've had a lot of experiences that have shaped that. Um, I mentioned, you know, being the youngest of 10 and that uh, is like a Presbyterian um, Calvinistic background. And so lots of theology in there. And so that being my foreground of, you know, my base childhood and then moving up, um, being able to see God at work, um, really in San Diego specifically and seeing him at work in a way where I didn't have a church, but I still had my relationship mm -hmm. with God. And I had, I had the church here, <laughs> you know, and still having those ties and still feeling that and still, um, recognizing how, um, you know, God works in ways of, of mystery. Um, he works in ways that, um, that are beyond time. So we're not going to see it, right? We're not going to always understand it. It's not going to make sense. And that's how we know we're where we're supposed to be because it's just so uncomfortable or it feels so uneasy. And that's because you're literally kind of suspended, <laughs> I think, um, and feeling that, um, that tension almost that I think is what God talks about in the Bible. When he, when we hear his prophets speak of, you know, these are people who hear of God, right? Hear from God personally. <laughs> and what does it feel like for them? Well, pretty uneasy, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, <laughs> That's all the descriptions that we get. So I think that when we feel that it is terrifying, but affirming. And it's that type of, um, like in San Diego, you know, we um, unfortunately lost my wife's father that first year that we moved out there. So we just moved out there and about nine months in, um, literally a, two days after they visited us and we get a call saying, you know, that he had passed away. And so that really put everything in perspective for us in a big way. One, mm -hmm. did we need to move back? You know, what other aspects were there? Um, there was gr so much grief. Um, and understanding how God uses um, things in our life um, throughout it, right? And again, that timing, we don't control that part. And so when it happens, that's, I think, the biggest challenge is, you know, why now? Why mm -hmm. right now? Why am I experiencing this right now? And, you know, we don't have the answers for that. And again, that's, I think, that tension that we're living in where we, that's, that's where faith comes in. That's literally, okay, it takes faith to believe this because you're right. The evidence isn't always going to be there right in front of you, or really you're not able to see it most of the time. Like it probably is right in front of you and you're just blind to it because of where you're at. And that's the worst part about it. And why I think therapy is really helpful <laughs> just to, kind of <laughs> to bring it back around. Blinders. Yeah. Get, you know, you got to get your brain to be able to expand. And, you know, I think 
um, when we were in San Diego and kind of, um, you know, my wife and I had different experiences because she worked from home. Um, so when the pandemic hit, she was actually kind of already in her own, her own swing. Sure. <laughs> she was like, all right, well, I've been doing this anyway. And not having a car or a lot of transportation meant that she spent a lot of time um, at home. And for me being out in the public working with Starbucks and doing my job there, you know, just two very different experiences of being able to interact with the community and then, you know, hers not as often or just in different ways. Um, and so even that for both of us being able to see God at work, you know, God uses wherever we are um, to show himself. You know, mm -hmm. he uses um, his people. He uses his creations that way to show his glory. And we don't always understand that. We don't always see that at the time. I know I definitely don't. But um, when, when we can reflect on it, it helps. It helps to, to, to remember and give purpose to what we're going through. And I think that's one of the most challenging parts for me is being able to find purpose mm -hmm. and knowing what, what is it right now? What am I actually like? Why am I getting up right now? What am I going to try different today? Yeah. <laughs> um, understanding how God uses that as an opportunity, right? Every day I wake up and I take a new breath. I'm grateful for that because I, I might not have. And that's God giving me a new breath every day. And those are things that, you know, kind of those universal truths that I think when we kind of when we can cling to those, we can see more of who God is and who he shows himself to his creations to be. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah, wherever you are, not only can God meet you there, God already is there. Yeah. God is with you. God is with each of us always. Sometimes we we tune God out. Sometimes um we might just be focused on, you know, the the shitty awfulness of whatever it is that we're going through that we lose sight of God. Mm -hmm. Um but God is absolutely with us through um, the best and the worst of times. Rachel, what's the hardest thing you've been through? That you feel comfortable sharing with a public <laughs> audience? Um, I, I, I have a hard time phrasing that because I think um, I've been so blessed. And I've always felt that from a young age, um, which is why gratitude is something that like I lost and, and kind of brought back in my life to be the first in the like my bookends, my alpha and omega, literally, because I believe that's where we can humble ourselves. Um, but I mean, probably what it is right now, like, I mean, balancing where I'm at in terms of um, my life with my family, um, you know, wanting to, um, grow independently, um, and together at the same time with my wife. Um, and that's something that we even talked about before we got together is, you know, Hey, we're going to keep growing. Are we sure we want to do this together? And that was a conversation that we really had is, you know, we're going to change and, you know, yeah, we like who we are right now with each other and, but that's going to change. And are we committed to, to doing that together? And mm. when that gets um, scary, are we still able to do that? Um, and I've never had an example of that, um, that I understood, I guess, growing up. 
And so meeting my wife and her showing me what unconditional love looks like um, was so life-changing. And I think ever since then, being able to start to identify more and more things in my life that I don't necessarily need to settle for, um, you know, and just where I'm at right now is where a lot of this rubber is meeting the road because we want to have a family and I'm not trying to bring generational stuff with me. I know that there's generational curses, there's generational stuff in your genes. We can pass stuff down that way. There's all kinds of science that supports that, you know, our DNA and who we are and what we bring. And I'm not going to be the perfect parent. No one is. But if I can choose to do some of the work before they get here, I'm going to do that. <laughs> and I want to do whatever I can now. So that way I can set my kids up for success and keep that generation, you know, hey, they can deal with their own generational stuff. Maybe they'll find something new they get to uncover. And I think that's why we see so many patterns throughout, right? History. And we see so many things repeating itself. But I think for where I'm at right now, just really, you know, trying to do that work um, and not being very accountable <laughs> to it, being transparent, you know, like, I think it's important to be honest about those things. Like, I'm not the most accountable person to myself, but my wife is really good at holding me accountable. And I'm really grateful for that. Amen. And she, you know, <laughs> and she calls me out on things like, don't you even try that right now? And I'm like, you're absolutely <laughs> right. I will just stop. <laughs> yeah. I think, you know, I mean, my wife and I are very open and honest with each other, um, very much sharpen one another. Um, sometimes cuss at each other. Right. But, but in a spirit of wanting one another to be the best possible versions of ourselves, wanting to over the course of a lifetime, continue to um, become the people that God designed and destined us to be yes. recognizing that we both are a far way from reaching that goal. Most definitely. <laughs> and that, uh, that translates to parenting obviously as well too, you know, uh, if, and when the day comes that you are a parent and, um, yeah, you know, you just to continue to grow, to admit to your kids when you do get something wrong mm -hmm. and to own that. I mean, my kids love nothing more than making fun of me when I get something wrong or calling me out on something or even holding me accountable um, in, a, in a, the same but different way that I, you know, hold them accountable as a parent. Um, but yeah, I think that love and that growth mindset um, along with the continual grace of God will carry you a long way. I've been leaning heavy on the grace of God. And thankfully <laughs> yes. my wife is too. So we've got to go rock. <laughs> That's right. That's right. How do you share God's love with others? That's changed um, throughout my life. And I think now I really try to focus on just relationships, um, letting things happen organically, not pushing things. Um, I'm not great at reading the room all the time. And my wife is. It's one of the things that I learned from her. <laughs> um, but I think, you know, understanding that uh, it's there's got to be a foundation there first. And, you know, that seed that's planted, if you throw a stone, it's not going to do anything. You got to throw a seed. It has to be something that's living. There has to be life in that. And that life, I think, comes from, you know, gratitude. It comes from a place of humility that. Um, God has created us in. 
And so I think if we can approach relationships that way of understanding like, hey, you know, I need to be genuine and authentic in this. And if something takes off, then great. And if it doesn't, then that's okay too. Maybe it'll come back around um, and know that that's going to be probably for the better, actually, because maybe at that time it wasn't right. Um, And so I think really focusing on um, letting people be who they are, learning who they are. Maybe they don't know who they are yet, and that's okay too, loving them where they're at. And honestly, I think that's where most of us are, right? Mm -hmm. So if that's where we are and we're then... I think it's important for us to create a lot of that that safety and trust that is needed in order to share something like the gospel. Um, and I think that's how you share it, though, is without the word, the gospel, and you just do it by creating that environment for them um, where they feel comfortable enough to talk about their own experiences um, and and holding space for what those experiences are, recognizing that, you know, hey, this happened to you good or bad. Um, and knowing that if I want to share that, Hey, there's this great and loving God and not knowing about this thing that happened to you where maybe you've never felt love before. And I'm telling you that there's this creator who loves you Mm. and you've never Mm -hmm. felt that. How is that? Like, it's just not going to happen. That's not sharing the gospel at all. So and I've and and that's what a lot of what I used to understand and where that's grown and transformed into understanding you don't need to use certain words. You need to listen and you need to be quiet in a lot of ways and create a space and understand where the other person is. And that's something that I'm continuously struggling with and learning how to do and growing with. Um, but I know that it's the right work to do and that's the right direction to go in. Any closing insights or challenges you'd like to offer our listeners today? Yeah. If you don't know about the patriarchy and white supremacy and a lot of social justice issues that are out there, please, please, please Google. Don't ask someone to do the work for you. Mm. Do not. I repeat it. Google it. Check it out. Use PubMed. That's a great place. (laughs) Google Scholar. Everyone has access to that. Um, but I think the biggest thing for me, I just, my heart beats for, for social justice stuff. And I hesitate to speak too much on it because I'm educating myself. So taking my own advice of listening, you know, do some research first before you even ask anybody about their experiences. Educate yourself about, you know, history in our nation and what that looks like for indigenous people, what that looks like for white people. Go ahead and study, you know, that history as well in a non-whitewashed way. Mm-hmm. That's my challenge. And for us in church to own how um, the church has often been a part of the problem and to begin asking questions about how we can be a part of the solution to move forward. Um, and that certainly has to involve repentance on our part. Mm-hmm. Thanks for letting me share that. <laughs> Thank you. Rachel, it's a joy to know you and to be the church alongside you. Thanks so much for taking part in this interview today. It's very mutual. That concludes this episode of Church Folks. Remember, the church has nothing to do with brick, mortar, or carpet. It's the people, the body of Christ from all over the world. This is just one of their stories. 
You can find out more about Birmingham and Berkeley First on our websites, fumcbirmingham.org and berkeleyfirst.org. Whether it's through our church or some other church, we hope you take the time to be a part of beloved community, grow in your faith, and share your stories. Peace.